0: All right, Danny, you ready to record our Witch to Bury Us or the Hatchet episode? Nope. Hmm. That's how that feels. No, I don't hate you. Don't want to fight you. No, I'll always love you, but right now I just don't
1: like you. No, I don't hate
2: you. Don't want to fight you. No, I'll always love you, but right now I just don't like you. Because you took this to
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome. Oh, wait. Oh no, Jessica's back. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. After a week of of me being in charge of introducing a the episode, full a week. full week. Also, it's kind of weird that we're back doing a normal episode for the first time. I mean, it's only been two weeks or three weeks, depending on how you <laughs> <laughs> judge right. time. But for us, it's been like it feels like it's been a month. Like it might have been a month or like more up. Upwards of three weeks.
0: And we're recording this on election day, which is even more just like, I mean, we could have like the next week, because there's no way they're going to know anything tonight, could feel like a year so. Right. Also, I was working, <laughs> I was working today um, on a gig and I had to carry a lot of equipment on a mile and a half hike to and from where we parked and the shooting location and on my way back at, like, around the half mile mark, and I slipped and sprained my ankle. Yep. <laughs> so then I had to, like, with with the my couple other lovely crew members, like, helping me, like, Try and, and get back that that last mile. It was a lot.
1: Now speaking of a hatchet. <laughs> speaking of hatchets, I'm glad it's not like a 157 hour situation for oh,
0: you. Oh jeez, I don't, I don't know. know.
1: I don't know. He didn't use a hatchet, right? He just used his teeth or something. I never seen the movie. I don't
0: know. I didn't see. Anything. Yeah, remember
1: the hatchet? Did you? Is it called the yeah, hatchet? The that, book? That, yeah, the book. Yeah, with
0: the kid and the dog. I think yeah, a dog. Yeah, there
1: was another. There was a sequel. I think. Wait, was the other side of the mountain the sequel? Or was The Other I mean, Side of the Mountain the first one? I don't
0: remember now. But I think The Hatchet was the first one. I read that was in elementary one. school, I think.
1: I remember there's a moment in that book where part of the reason... So we didn't even say, but there's a children's... There's a YA novel from, like, the 70s or something, or maybe the 60s. And it's about a kid who... Oh, here it is. 1986. Wow. Oh, wow. Hey. Uh, that's a more <laughs> That's more contemporaneous to when we were reading it than I thought. Like, I thought... <laughs> Whoa. You know what I mean? Like, I thought if they were making us read it in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, then I would assume it's from the 60s. I'm
0: pretty sure I read it in, like, 2000. Maybe 2001. Well, it was
1: an older book when you read it. So, okay. So, it's about a kid who goes off to live... Who runs away and lives in the wilderness. Right. Like, defies his parents. I was, like, very surprised then, honestly, that they were having us read a book about a kid who, like, defies his parents and goes off and lives... On his own, in the woods. I'm
0: shocked you didn't do that.
1: Oh, no, I tried. <laughs> I tried to go live in the woods of my from what Massachusetts I can remember suburb. It,
0: uh, <laughs> from what I can remember, it had a nicer ending than um, than Into the Wild. But I don't completely recall what happened.
1: Right. Okay, no, so I got to look up the other side of the mountain. but the So, The Hatchet is from 86. The sequel was The River in 91 but these are like the sequels to uh the giver like no one cares about the sequels everyone has to read the original in school
2: actually
0: sequels to the giver
1: oh yeah there's multiple it was was an ongoing series
0: man i hated the giver i had to read that like twice (laughs) for school like once in elementary school and then again in middle school and i was so bummed out because i was like i do not like this book same with adventures of ulysses we had to read that one twice as well
1: Wow, there's a lot of books in this series cuz then there was Brian's Winter in 96. Whoa. I feel like he broke the naming convention of the the hatchet the river. Brian's what? Right. Brian's Winter and then Brian's Return. Oh wow. And then Brian's Hunt. Like they were really banking on the fact that you would know this kid's name was Brian. <laughs> so what's the other side of the mountain? I thought the other side of the mountain. Isn't
0: that that one that was the love story with Kate Winslet and they put in the advertising the dog doesn't die so that it would get people like me who'd uh, be like, I'm not going to see that because it's no, got a dog that, in it.
1: No, that was like not Everest. Yeah. Our side. Is it Our side of the mountain. Okay. No, the other side of the mountain is apparently a romance movie. From 1975. So there's some other YA novel about living in the woods <laughs> called like Something Side of the Mountain, and I, apparently it's not related to that. Hit us up if you, if you
0: if uh, you know what Danny is talking about. Yeah.
1: So anyway, yes, we are this week. We're talking about which to bury us or the hatchet. Which to bury? And speaking of election night. Yes, 400,
0: please. During the second plague, these amphibians came out of the water. Stephen. What are frogs? Right. What are frogs? Uh. <laughs> Which two berry? Which
1: two berry? Us or the frogs? Jessica loves that meme video. Meme
0: <laughs> video, I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's
1: celebrity Jeopardy, and David Duchovny goes, "What are frogs?" in response to Stephen King's answer of "What are frogs?" <laughs> Um, well, I posted, speaking of election night, I posted a couple of polls, and let's see, I I said,
0: I saw one of them,
1: I said, which to bury, us or the hatchet, and 54% said us, and 46% said the hatchet, so, I mean, I think that's about, then that's with 100% reporting in, sorry. that us got so,
0: got what? Sorry, I'm <laughs> I'm on some pain medicine I know, and. <laughs> it's fine.
1: Uh, out of forty-one votes, okay, hundred percent are reporting now from Twitter. Okay, fifty-four percent said us, and forty-six percent voted for the hatchet. Really? So for the Electoral College of Twitter, wow. the winner is us. But meanwhile, over no, on that's Instagram, that's the
0: popular vote.
1: Okay, so is then is Instagram the, the the Electoral College?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So with still five hours remaining to report from <laughs> from Instagram, it's 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 a landslide in the other direction. 31 percent of people said, sorry. Uh wait, how many people? You... <laughs> I forget. That... This is where I voted. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't. Instagram vote on doesn't I voted give on you percent; Instagram. they give you number of voters. Thirty-one people said the hatchet, and fourteen said us. John Schneck also said us, and of course he's an electoral college voter.
0: There you go. So, even though the more popular vote was the hatchet. John Schneck is our electoral college. I and guess therefore I could, it is us. I could
1: add up the, the the numbers of votes across both, but I'm not gonna do that. Um but we do have other top of the show business. So it's been weeks, and I've been mentioning to mention this. But <laughs> You've been mentioning as to mentioning to mention. to mention to mention this, but as you recall, we talked about um another they, going back to like the first few months of our podcast, how we started the podcast out and we're like I think we're the first Reliant K podcast. I'm like, nope. There was one other, and it was called Reliable J, and they only had four episodes, and then they disappeared a couple months before we started. Like they were pretty recent. Their last episode was pretty recent to when we started. Well, it turns out it's, and I still don't know how to pronounce his name out loud, so I'll just say T. Josh T. That he's he's on Twitter. It's him. Because, like, weeks ago now, and unfortunately, it just happened right as we got into this block of, like, weird episodes, like the April Fool's episode and the Deathbed episode with all this particular business. So I just wanted to mention, we now know who was hosting Reliable J. It was Josh, and I guess he's Reliable J. I think we mentioned this on a Patreon, but we didn't mention this on a regular episode. Gotcha. And, um, because I realized as I made that joke that he's the Reliable J... (laughs) That I was like, I made that joke before, but that was on Patreon, I believe. Anyway, so that's an old podcast of one of our podcast mysteries now solved. And he's apparently bringing that back. Oh, and we never said this out loud on the podcast, but we had conversations where we assumed this. And he confirmed it. So now I, I think we can say. <laughs> oh and my he,
0: gosh, Danny. And he did
1: it. Well, he mentioned it in his repost episode. He did a new, okay. he did a new episode where he said it. We wondered... Did they stop doing the show because the couple of Reliable J the podcast might have broken up, and that's exactly what happened, apparently?
0: You know, we don't talk about the relationships so much about Reliant K members. So we so... shouldn't
1: talk about rival podcasts? Exactly. Well, I don't consider Reliable J... Jay... <laughs> I don't consider Reliable J a rival podcast when we what we really hate is Magnified Pod. <laughs>
0: That's true. Those are facts. That's canon.
1: So, which to bury, us or the hatchet?
0: I said the hatchet. Right. Let's bury the no, hatchet. No, I'm
1: saying that's the name of the song, and now we're talking about the song. Yeah. So So
0: this is clearly a song about a relationship. Yes. It has always been a song about a relationship to me. Right. I've never once heard this for, you know, there's a lot of different lyrics in here that you can cite, for this but I definitely you know did not see this as being about God or anything but let me tell you what some folks over at song meetings would would beg to differ oh we're sort of launching with the song meetings this week
1: (laughs) but yeah I mean I absolutely agree this is clearly about a relationship um that's funny that you say I don't
0: think Jesus is gonna peel out and drive away (laughs) Right, <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't know.
1: Yeah, of those handfuls. Twenty
0: twenty feels like he might have. I don't know.
1: Yeah, this this song can go along with "Faking My Own Suicide," where people miss where people can read a religious Christ allegory parable if they want, but they shouldn't because if they do, it makes Jesus out really really bad because "Faking My Own Suicide" is like. If you try to put, if you try to make that the resurrection, as some people have, and they thought they were innocently doing that, they're actually, like, ruining the whole point of salvation and Calvary and all that. But yeah, this song is about people, like, hating each other. God would never say, Christ would never say, I still love you, but right now I just don't like you. You know what I mean? Like, there's that whole thing about...
0: Well, I was thinking that it was more that's from the narrator's perspective, like... You know, I'll always love you, but right now I just don't like you. To Jesus, if you I want guess. to view it that way, like yeah. and yeah, who doesn't feel that way? Who isn't like I feel so like, yeah when you out have of moments of crisis, and, yeah and stuff, exactly.
1: You think I still believe in God, but He's not making it easy right now, or yeah, something exactly. So that it could be from that, yeah, it could be from that point of view, but yeah. Um, let me look at this. Make your decision, and don't you dare think twice. Go with your instincts along with some bad advice. This didn't turn out the way I thought it would at all. You blame me, but some of this is still your fault. So that, yeah, like that's a very, that there's two people blaming each other here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know of any Christian song (laughs) ever. Like that's like actually like, yeah you know there's absolutely works of art and fiction and songs like blaming god for things or struggling with faith i've actually there's lots of stuff of that in like in like jewish stuff that i've read like movies and comics that i've read that are very like that are about like orthodox jewish ways of thinking there's always there's like making contracts with god and like all that kind of stuff so that would be more in like an orthodox jewish thing but to be like born-again Christian thing and be like you and God are (laughs) both at fault right either no one would ever write a song like that in a Christian bookstore right so no this song is absolutely about a relationship I never really understood the title because you bury that you what are you gonna bury us or oh no now I get it yeah
0: what are we saying are we going to bury our relationship or are we gonna bury the hatchet and move on from this
1: Got it. I literally never gave it any thought until now. And I instantly, I could have, I could have just spent that, that tiny (laughs) molecule of mental energy to put it together and it instantly happened. Okay. Interesting. So I don't love this song. (laughs) That's my big, so now what are you going to do? Bury a hatchet in my head because people love this song.
0: I, I love this song. I
1: know you do. And a lot of people do. And the thing is, I don't dislike it. It's just one of those songs that's like right down the middle for me, like above, above 50%. It's in the top, it's in the 50, it's in the top 50% for me, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's not like a song that I really think of all the time. And when I, people have suggested we we do this song and we're doing this song this week because of our guest, they picked the song. Um, but I, oh yeah, we have a guest today. (laughs) um but <laughs> i just never think of this song i never consider it i never think of it it's just one of those songs that when it comes on i'm like oh yeah this song cool right but i never like dig into it
0: now danny you always refer for some reason to um five score as reliant case thrash metal album but this is the this big is screamo their big... number yeah yeah
1: well i'm not sure if it counts as I don't need to be a dick about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> technically, it's not Screamo. Well,
0: actually, yeah. But this
1: is like a hardcore... This does have like... It feels like it has the structure of like a hardcore metalcore hard, like me- song. Like a hardcore or a metalcore song. And like with a completely different production, with completely different guitar tones, like this song could easily shift into an actual like hardcore or metalcore song. Um aside from the fact that there's the screaming in the back, like there's breakdowns in this song. There's actual breakdowns in this and like
0: there's actual breakdowns like the breakdown and breakdown.
1: Yes. Like the way too many breakdowns and breakdown. <laughs> cuz our two main takeaway from breakdown was that song was 1 minute too long. This song's not 1 minute too long. This is a long song. Yeah. But it's got like sections and movements which also makes me think of a lot of hardcore bands cuz some hardcore bands will have like not, like, Deathbed-length, like, things.
0: Right. What am I trying
1: to say? Like, like comparing this song, say, to Deathbed, in terms of Relying K songs that have, like, movements, little, mo- you know, movements in them and, like, kind of shift, and there's almost, like, mini songs within the song. Deathbed is obviously this big thing stretched out to multiple things, and they come back different songs. Mm-hmm. This kind of keeps going forward, and, like, parts keep changing up and and coming back to other parts and it's it feels like it's three different songs very well sort of woven together and a lot of like metalcore bands write songs like that as well they're constantly going forward and like having little movements and sections in them so i was thinking this is almost like relying k doing easycore before easycore was really a thing but i don't think it really counts cuz easycore is like that kind of pop punk that has a hardcore structure, right? But I also think of easy core as being like the very super duper modern saccharine sounding, like uh, uh, forever came calling and and uh, wonder years and all those kind of bands. And supposedly, like the beginning of easy core was like newfound glory, even though they didn't really have breakdowns. But I guess like whatever. My point is, this doesn't sound like Easy Core, but you could almost, this is like a pop-punk band doing a hardcore song. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> Agreed. Because this, the, of the way the song ends, where it ends with that sort of breakdown and, and into uh, Let It All Out. Mm-hmm. I thought we had already done this song when Danny told me which song we were doing. I was like, didn't we already do this? And he's like, no, we did Let It All Out. That's why you think we did it. And I was like, oh, right. right."
1: Because I think we played a little bit of the leading in to Let It All Out when we talked about Let It All Out. Um, So we'll do a little less of that this week because we already did that for Let It All Out. Um, And that's funny. Yeah, so for these two songs to be so woven together... Not just on the record, where they flow directly into each other. Almost makes it, actually, like I was kind of saying, like a proto-deathbed in a way, even though there's not like a specific story. It's more, both songs have an abstract story. But if you took um, Witch to bury and Let It All Out and considered them to be one song, this could almost be like a proto-deathbed. Because it would probably be, you know, approaching ten minutes, like eight, maybe eight, nine minutes, together. So, I wonder if you. I wonder if that was the idea. Like, I want to write an eleven-minute super song, and <laughs> uh, but everyone's saying I shouldn't do it. So I'm going to pretend I'm going to slice it into two songs. I'm doing a shrug.
0: Write write it down for the questions. I,
1: I write it down. I doubt that that's true though, <laughs> but um. Yeah, so I yeah. So this song is just not a song I think about all the time. It's just not a song I come to. And when it's on, I'm like, yeah, sure, but it's just not a song I think of. I do love The Message because it's basically like, we were touching on this, but it's, yeah, it seems it's a relationship song. It's basically like an inverted Bad Friend Teeson song because that's a theme that we always come to on this show is there are okay. lots of Bad Friend Teeson songs about him being a bad friend and a bad son and stuff and wanting to be forgiven for those things but this one's kind of like an invert of that because in this one you've got two people basically like blaming each other and upset at each other and they're like are we going to work through this so having said that and it's funny that you said this is this is a prime example for those kind of Reliant K fans that try to make every song about God even though it's not. Uh Now I have to be the other kind of Reliant K fan that I don't like, (laughs) the one that has to make every song about Teason's most famous ex. But I feel like the timing as far as this being on Mm mm-hmm, whereas any songs that we know for sure that Teason has confirmed are about Catherine are on Mm Mm-hmm and Five Score. Uh
0: Uh-huh. This is another
1: (laughs) song on that album, and it sounds like a relationship and two people basically, like, struggling and being angry at each other and blaming each other for something and not coming back together, which sounds to me like this song could very easily go into Come Right Out and Say It. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. if you put this song and went directly into Come Right Out and Say It, you basically have a little narrative there two people mad at each other not and he's like what are we going to you're going to bury us or the hatchet and then come right out and say it the person says we're going to bury us and then sorry yeah you had some yeah
0: yeah no i'm 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 agreeing with you because it's like everybody can feel that way in in a relationship even in like you know the most ideal sort of relationship you still have fights you still have you know little disagreements and everything and it's like you know you know i'll always love you but right now i just don't like you because you took this too far like right too far
1: yeah that happens all the time like today when i was like (laughs) pushing you on the trail and i was like come on hurry up hurry up (laughs) and you sprained your your ankle i wasn't even there i'm kidding (laughs) um one thing and so yeah if you took this, like I said, if you took this song and come right out and say it, and maybe you could take a couple other songs, you'd almost have a proto Forget Not Slow Down. Right. Right? Because you, you could almost, whereas Forget Not Slow Down is a whole album that is like a narrative of him struggling with the ending of a relationship, you could almost do that out of these two, out of this album and Five Score, if you pick certain songs. Now, having said that, there's one lyric in here that reminds me of. Forgetting not slow down specifically the lyric in hatchet is where he says what does he say hold on i lost it okay <laughs> make your decisions in a generic... okay when verse two he says make your decision and don't you dare think twice go with your instincts along with some bad advice right so that to me i interpret that off the bat as he and the person in the, his in a relationship that he's sort of fighting with is getting advice from people about how to deal with it. And he's saying whatever advice you're getting from those people over there. He doesn't say they're friends, but whatever advice you're getting from people over there, that's bad advice, you know? Just go with your gut or, like, think of me. Especially since he's, like, he's, like, the point of this song is, like, if you say goodbye, I don't want you regretting it, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that's so specifically... A theme that return that they come back to on Forget Not Slow Down the album all the time. It's like, hey, don't leave me. You're gonna regret it. Right. But the lyric that sorry, so I've lost track of what I was saying. But when he says, go with your instincts along with some bad advice. It specifically reminds me of the lyrics from Over It, where he says, um, you made up. A- Okay, so you made up your mind and you finally decided, but those that helped you choose haven't the slightest clue of the magnitude of what you're about to lose. That's like the exact same sentiment, basically, mm-hmm. if I'm interpreting the lyric from Hatchet correctly, to say that it's like you're getting advice from other people about our relationship and whatever right. they're saying is bad advice.
0: Yeah, for sure. Right. This has such like like a a a pop punk theme to it. In that, like, you say goodbye, and I just don't want you regretting that. Like, yeah, put it on the girl. Yeah, it is all a the bit girl's aggro. Fault, yeah, it is a bit aggro to be <laughs> like, <little> <laughs> if you
1: leave me, you'll regret it.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, still in comparison, Relying K when they hit on these themes are a lot softer than, say, a Blink-182 or a brand new, Or it's, like, the girl's fault and the girl... Well, the 9 k is still kind of acting like the girl owes him something here. But it's not... You know it's not coming off as... At least it's not as sexual. Right. <laughs> Whereas with a lot of other pop-punk fans... <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like you walk around wearing those outfits and you know what you do to me and it's your fault. Girl. Right. <laughs> Except I don't... They wouldn't say girl. Um, right. right. But, yeah, I was thinking that's kind of... In both sentiments, it's, it's you know, if, if the... He doesn't want to lose the person in the relationship, so he's kind of, like, kind of giving... Not an ultimatum, but saying, like, you're going to regret this, please don't do this, or whatever, to both whoever this song's about and, mm-hmm, and whoever... Which we might specifically know from Forget Not Slow Down.
0: And it does, it does go into, you know... At the end, uh, he says, what happened to us? I heard that it's me we should blame. So, you know, he is taking... Partial right. credit for for uh, for their issues.
1: Yeah. That's why this is like a bad friend, Teeson with an asterisk type of song. Right. Because <laughs> he's not, he does have a lot the, K, Well, Matt Teeson does have a lot of finger pointing at himself songs when it comes to hurting relationships and making the wrong choices and stuff, but there are these handful of songs where it's like, you know, something's up with our relationship and I'm angry too which people can happen like you know you, you people should be willing to accept blame and ask for forgiveness but then those same people who want to, you know like you you apologize a lot and you're like when are people going to apologize to me right like sometimes that can be reasonable and sometimes it's unreasonable but it, it's always hard to tell but it's a thing that everyone i think experiences Except psychopaths. Because psychopaths just... Sociopaths. Sociopaths just want everyone to apologize to them all the time. Anyway. (laughs) So do you have Deep Dive?
0: I do. But before we get into that, let's take a break. That's right.
1: If you enjoy Sadie Hawkins' pod, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can interact with the show. Call our voicemail line, 402-95-SADIE and we'll play it on a future show.
0: You can send an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com and visit our Instagram and Twitter, which are both at sadiehawkinspod.
1: We also have merch up at our Tee Public store, where you can get a shirt, a mug, stickers, and more.
0: Just in time for Halloween, or for after Halloween, depending on when you're listening to this, is our Little Sheep Boy shirt design, based on the cover of the original Creepy EP.
1: We also want to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash Pod. There's Brady, David, Tucker, This Might Be a Podcast, Owen, Jimmy E. Pod, Roxanne, Samantha, Helen, and Michael.
0: You can sign up to our Patreon for bonus episodes and exclusive merch.
1: And if you have a special someone in your life, think of giving them the gift of Sadie Hawkins Pod. (laughs)
0: So for our deep dive today, I was actually surprised that not a lot came up because Mm-hmm is an era where that was a very popular album. You know, it, was, it has one of the few songs that they've ever had to get on mainstream radio. So a lot of people had this album because of that. So I thought that I would find more like angsty emo girl blogs and things like that. Super bummed out not to find that. But what I did find is that the acoustic from the Apathetic EP is still up on Myspace.
1: Wow, and it's still there. Did you play it?
0: It's still there. I did not play it
1: because you know uh, uh, most of MySpace's like
0: yeah, because apparently it just it, it just links to the YouTube.
1: Okay, so all the MySpace audio players are like just I think they might some of them might still sit there. But the actual, like, server where the MP3s are are gone. So, like, little bands that might have only had their music on on MySpace, like, their music's gone from the internet.
0: Bummer. So the term burying the hatchet Ooh. means to end an argument with someone and become friends again. And this idiom originated in the 17th century in America. Native American tribes would literally bury a hatchet in the ground as a declaration of peace when their fighting ended.
1: Oh, okay. And then a beautiful hatchet tree would grow there the next harvest.
0: <laughs> and now, song meanings. Oh boy. <laughs> Rio Clem on January 1st, 2005. Oh, Happy New Year. Said, Man, this is a good song. Well, I am H O. I think this song talks about two people, God and Matt, or whoever. For most of the song, I think it's as if God is placed in as the speaker. Then in some verses, it switches off to the singer.
1: That's complicated.
0: For example, I tried to move you and you wouldn't budge. I tried to hold your hand, but you'd rather hold your grudge. It's like God was trying to get the person to the person, trying to get a hold of some person. But all the person did was so many persons (laughs) peel out and drive away from God
1: right so let me comment on that specifically um you know they say the easiest the the fastest route to two points is a straight line so when you have to switch back and forth the narrative between all of the verses to make the god interpretation make sense you don't you don't have to switch narrative at all to make the 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 guy and girl relationship one makes sense which means that that's most likely the case whatever the simpler explanation is like how complicated for it to like the narrative to be consistently switching from like from getting your point across from a songwriting point of view from like how bizarre that like this line with this verse and that next line and then it's going to skip every two lines will be about God but then every other next one will be from my point of view like that's so complicated so that doesn't make sense to me considering the other one is a much simpler explanation.
0: They go on to say, then on the last verse, it says, if the singer is shifting blame, the blame on God, why didn't you stop me from turning out this way? I think basically the whole song is where two people are talking. I also think this has some connection to I so hate consequences, because when I saw that when you peel out and drive away line, it sort of reminds me of I so hate consequences, because I myself, I asked myself, why did he slash she drive away from God? This song's pretty deep. Love the transition.
1: Right. And even though I so hate consequences can definitely be interpreted. I'm just poo-pooing people's song meetings right now. But even though <laughs> I just, so hate consequences definitely has some spiritual aspect to it and can be interpreted that way. On the live from Capitol Records video... Teeson specifically says this song is about me dealing with having messed up some relationships. Right. So that's a classic bad Tyson song. So to say that this has a connection to that song, well, Teeson flat out said, I so hate consequences, is about a relationship between him and another person.
0: Right. Well, Spoon is Rock agrees with you, Danny. Oh. And on February 16th, 2005... I wonder if this is the spoon we know, because they say, I disagree with (laughs) Roaclum. I just went to their concert in Orlando, and they said, this song is about when you love someone, but you're not exactly happy with them. I think it's about a relationship with a girl that it was gone awry. This song is awesome and got me through some tough times and the second part let it all out of this song is too is great too even though a lot of people at the concert said it was lame i continued to belt out every single word very powerful and also very noble of matt to play such a slow song at a rock concert
1: <laughs> so noble <laughs> milady. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh Oh my golly, I don't even know how to pronounce this one. S-O-T-Y, and then that little, like, up-carrot thing. Okay. Uh C-H-I-K, on March 24th, 2005, said, I agree, this is definitely about a relationship. He is mad about something in particular that has happened, but he still loves her. Very easy to relate to.
1: Agreed. <sighs> yeah, I know. I know. So easy to relate to, especially when, like, you have a co-host that, like, is like I don't want to do this song this week and it just disappears and leaves you and then you have to like get a bunch Oh my of gosh, there are
0: 7 pages of song meanings.
1: Let's do them all. Questions. Let's go. Oh, wow. Sorry, sorry we got to bounce our guests this week.
0: Wow. Okay, well, I think I think we've been we've been over enough. You yeah, get, we get it. it. Yeah. They're not going to say anything that we didn't say or that Ryo Clem didn't say. So <laughs> Right.
1: Good old Ryo Clem always helping us out. Thank you so much. So, uh, we didn't even talk about the acoustic version, but That's there is right. the acoustic version. Yeah. I almost don't feel like we need to play it, because my point of view on the acoustic version is this is like, maybe not definitely for Relying K, but maybe for almost any band, this is like this weird situation where it's like a one-for-one one electric to acoustic like switch for me. Like when I listen to the acoustic version of this song, and I listen to the regular studio electric version they feel so similar you know what I mean like there's not like a lot of having it doesn't I mean technically speaking there might be a lot of change-ups and stuff but like the tone and uh, aside from the fact that it's on acoustic guitar like the structure of the song is exactly the same and some of that um aggression is even there on the acoustic version there's a slightly different emotional tinge on being acoustic, where it's a little bit more bittersweet. But like, it's not like they had to, like when they did, um, shoot, it was one of the Capitol songs I can't think of now. Was it Sewing so Consequences? No. What song they do part of Taxes first, and then they launch into it?
0: Oh, right. I was actually going to say that I felt that this does a, uh, that the acoustic version does a detriment to the uh, to the the regular rock version of the song, because I felt like you did lose too much of that emotion.
1: Oh my god, it's I so hate consequences. <laughs> oh, I just talked about. It. I just, which We had. I just talked about. The Live of Capital. So, whereas with I So hey Consequences, where they felt like they needed to... I'm going to come back to what you just said, but with I So Hate Consequences, they do that acoustic, and they feel like they really got to kind of change it up a little and open it with uh, part of I so hey Consequ- uh, part of Death and Taxes in order to sell it as an acoustic song, in my personal opinion, not in yours, they just took the what feels like the exact structure, like didn't have to rework anything structure-wise and we're just able to make it an acoustic song and for an acoustic song i think it's very aggressive but yeah i get what you're saying like it's not as like raucous and stuff it does change the emotional like it has to doing an acoustic version has to change the emotional output Mm -hmm. of the song a little bit i'm just so surprised that it's almost like a color and black and white version of a movie it's the exact same movie it might have a different emotional tone to see like Right. The, the original right. uh, Fury, uh, Mad Max Fury Road and then the black and chrome version, <laughs> you know, it, or some other movie that's like in bla- available in color and black and white.
0: They've colorized a lot of older the films. The Mist did
1: that. There's a black and white version of The Mist. That's a, an official version.
0: Oh, man. I. Uh, oh,
1: yeah. And of course, they've colorized black and white films. Yeah. That's, that's like not even what I was talking about. I, I, yeah. I had
0: to see uh, It's a Wonderful Life that way. Okay. Where I was um, visiting someone in, like, a rehab place for an injury. Right. And they had it playing in the like common room where the people could like gather mm-hmm. and they were playing it's a wonderful life on a tv in sports mode and it was like wow <laughs> in color i was like oh my gosh it's just all the things that like it's like a really there see. man yeah, it was awful
1: <laughs> so that's the best analogy that i can give whereas some acoustic versions of songs it's like they've made it black and white, and they've turned on sports mode, and they've edited out some scenes. To me, you've got what's essentially the exact same movie. They've just changed the color, the saturation. Um, but that's my opinion, not yours, and I apologize that, I, that I've disagreed with you. you and need right to apologize now you for Right now you to just, just don't like me, it. but
0: <laughs> You took it too far, Dan.:
1: I know I did. I'm so sorry. Too far. So in terms of versions that definitely lose the emotional pitch? Here's a bad Nightcore version that I found. So there's a weird gating or something, and there's this strange, like, wobbling distortion that makes it sound like he's singing with paper towels in his mouth. And it's just the original track. See, so this is why I think Nightcore is not as easy as people think it is. I find bad Nightcore tracks all the time. There an actual, like, art to it. You have to use the right kind of program to speed the track up. You have to make sure that you don't (laughs) you have to make sure you don't leave your phone vibrating on the Mm. table anyway who cares that's
0: usually your mo um
1: (laughs) well maybe jessica you might remember reliant k playing this at the hard rock in orlando show that you were at i do which is famously on youtube so sing it with him did you sing it with him that night sure i did
2: I find it so upsetting that the memories that you select You keep the bad but the good you just forget Even though I'm angry I can still say I know my heart will break the day When you go out and drive away I can't believe this happened at all This time I never thought
1: So, there's a strange restraint on the quieter parts of this version, but other live versions, they like go full ahead, mm-hmm. rocking really hard. I wonder if it had something to do with the fact that it's being like recorded for a later release or right. something. But um, every time in every live video, whenever Tison goes, Don't wanna, f- don't know, I don't hate, yo, he always twists his head away from the <laughs> mic. Like, he doesn't wanna give that full uncut teasing into the microphone <laughs> he's gotta pull back no i don't hate you or it's like a car going by you
0: maybe he just peeks the audio and he doesn't like doing that
1: oh that reminds me <laughs> i told this story before but when Reliant k did they were gonna do like a karaoke because Fiverr and frenzy did a karaoke thing
0: right. at soul
1: where they brought a line of fans up on stage and tapped each one in like tag team to go up to the mic and sing songs. We K like, hey, was gonna do the same thing, but they ran out of time, couldn't do it. But I was already up on stage, and they agreed to let me do the screaming part of "Softer to Me" towards the end. And they were like, "Hold the mic." And this is like 2000. Like this is when it's just the first album out. They're like, and there's only like a 100 people in the audience. They're like, now. Make sure you hold the microphone away from you when you do your scream, and I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and I'm like, oh, that's why I was supposed to hold it away. Yep, yep. So, um, real quick, let's let's check out that banjo. We didn't talk about that Schneck banjo.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I got one funny video for the banjo part. But here let's listen to the hard rock banjo that night cuz what says hard rock more than a banjo <laughs> played by John Schnegg
2: always <laughs> love <laughs> you now I just don't like
1: That's cool. Good stuff. In that recording, though, it almost sounds like a piano. It like you does. could conflate yeah, right. that there's with a little, the piano very a tone easily. In the, uh, in the recording. So there's one here that I. Okay, so here's one video live that I found. Uh, it sounds really bad, but you can watch John Schnack, and this is in Baltimore, Maryland, in 2009, Oops. and you can see Schnack trade off the guitar for the banjo in this video. I'm fast forwarding because it sounds like crap So I'm not going to actually <laughs> cut this in on post Here we go It's super aggressive It's a very No you, he already switched. Yeah, he
0: did the switch. You missed the switch. I saw it.
1: And listen to that crowd. Yeah! They are psyched to banjo. They love, love that it. banjo. The Baltimore crowd loves the banjo. A lot of
0: Steve Martin fans in the audience. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> there's a, so there is a lot of stuff for this song. Um, there's also a live acoustic version from 2011. Um there's multiple versions where it's it fades into let it all out. There's stuff from, you know, mhm 10 and and it was a common common sh- song for them to play from mhm originally coming out all the way up to like pretty much now. Like I don't think I found any 2016 live stuff, but like they played it from mhm all the way up to Collapsible Long Era. They never stopped playing it. Um but we could talk about covers and speaking of that banjo Here's our favorite cover. Jessica's already heard this.
0: I have because this also <laughs> came up in my deep dive. But I
1: also played it in the car. Because <laughs> it's the only other version on Spotify of this song. There's yeah. three versions. The official version, the official acoustic. Yeah, because a-
0: when I found it in my deep dive, I didn't actually click into it. Because whenever I come across uh, sites that just link to videos... I always just leave those alone for Danny. Or if it's something like GodTube or one of those kind of things, I will right. copy and paste the link and send As it GodTube to Danny. Because GodTube doesn't always come up. There is yeah. some stuff
1: that's on GodTube that never made its way to YouTube. But anyway, this is the Pickin' On Relying K Bluegrass Tribute, which we almost never do songs that are on this. Here is their version <laughs> of which to bury us. With. I swear, like we do Piano Dreamer songs all the time, and we do... Uh, uh violin quartet songs but This is
0: not as you would call it a a bot cover.
1: No, this is a real band.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm getting at. I find it so upsetting that the
1: memories that you select. You keep the bad, but the good you just forget. Even though I'm angry, I can't still say I know my heart. That part's not so good. That I don't hate no, you. No, I don't the rest understand of why nice. so many
0: people had to join in. <laughs> yeah. It's just well, it might too be much. the same
1: guy just layered on top of himself. But I, I could be a female it... voice in there as well. Oh, okay, well, I could be wrong. One part that disappointed me was when the banjo part would come in. They didn't change that to electric guitar. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: would have been amazing. <laughs>
1: So here's one of the so there's a okay and also there's a lot of covers this week. Um, not all, not most of them are good. Most of them aren't good. Oh, no. Uh, I think this song might be a little too complicated to sort of break down. You know what I mean? So we're just gonna play the handful of really good ones. Um, having said that, if any listeners know they've done a cover, <laughs> I might not have found it, and maybe you're not on the list of covers that aren't good. Honestly, because this is such a massive song, which is why it's so funny you didn't find a lot online. There are hundreds of videos with mm. this song title in terms of like so, so, so many, you know, bad phone camera clips and full phone camera clips from multiple years, multiple versions of the band. So many fan, oh my gosh, so many AMVs, so many shipping videos. So many homemade lyric videos. Best shipping video you found. Go. Uh, I had didn't stick with Fl- the flash. Oh. But okay. apparently, like, what's the nerdy guy? The nerd Cisco? Cisco and like some other guy that must join later. It's a thing for them. Some other guy who I have no idea. It's like a gay ship for like a nice. which we'll talk about gay ships nice. and, and Relying K videos later with the guest, but um let's see so i'm going to play just a handful of the best covers and this is a german band like at some sort of outdoor festival thing uh i'll tell you what year this is uploaded by first aid bricks so this is the band first aid bricks and i think that they're german yep just based off of the (laughs) just based off of the description and this has got a female lead singer and it sounds really cool (laughs)
0: If wish <laughs> decision,
2: I don't you tell me twice It's at first Didn't turn out the way, I thought it would be You, you the move, but someone I when I try to move you, it just wouldn't I try to hold your hand
0: I love that. Damn, she's got some pipes. Yeah, it's good.
1: Um, uh, This is Zeke Power. We have a new Zeke Power cover.
0: Nice. and
1: this is a, like an old one for him i think this is from nine years ago it's only got two thousand views
0: i'm sorry banjo dreamers i didn't i didn't mean to be mean about your about your cover <laughs> banjo dreamers. You're mixing up the piano dreamers yeah with, yeah it was called picking it up or something like that <laughs> picking right? it up a
1: scott tribute to banjo bluegrass music um So multiple, like, attempts to... Probably, honestly, some of the best of the lesser covers were just Ute covers because they just played simple chords and sang the song. But so many people trying to recreate this song when it's apparently so complex. There was some Forget Not Slow Down song that we noticed was a lot like that. Maybe it was Candlelight. Maybe it was Candlelight or something. I think it was Candlelight. Yeah, Candlelight apparently, like the the key changes or whatever in that song were really hard for people to translate Mm -hmm. so candlelight covers sounded really bad like people weren't translating it correctly to their tabs and their chords and stuff well you probably have a similar problem with this song um but zeke power because he's super talented manages to get around that and did a really good full acoustic cover Too far, too far. Make your decision, don't you dare think twice go.
2: Oh, I tried to hold you, you just wouldn't bite I tried to hold your hand, but you'd rather hold your grudge I think you know what I'm getting
1: at You say goodbye and I just don't want you regretting that
0: And you love Zeke Power. That was like- lovely, by the way. Okay. No, no, no. It was lovely. It's just funny. It's like you love Zeke Power. Like I love a a soulful lady voice or whatever it is that I always <laughs> well, say that I like. <laughs> I like
1: Zeke Power because, with the exception of like one Christmas song we listened to, which he kind of just did it slow and boring, right? All of his covers, he changes something about the groove. He changed. He, 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 or he like just plays it to his style perfectly mm-hmm. which is the opposite problem with most of these covers which was the problem with all most of these other covers it's just like everyone is just trying as hard as they can to emulate exactly what Reliant K put down on record right both in the acoustic version and in the electric full studio version and they just couldn't do it together as two or three people on acoustic guitar it's just would be lacking. They're trying to put that same energy into it. But here is the power. He's like, he's holding back and he knows he's got to like not give the whole thing. You know, he's got, he can't go full blast into screaming it out. Right. So, okay. (laughs) Jessica's (laughs) laughing at me because I have opinions. So we do have a guest this week. I just have a couple of fan things that I wanted to play. Yes. This is, I've never seen this before, at least not in this style. Where it's like fully edited afterwards. It's a. It says Full Sims Two and Three Whoa. music video. Whoa! Okay. And this is not like a RuneScape. Or a no, no. Club. This is
0: a popular thing. People do The Sims, like no, but yeah. But I want to. I just want to say this things. isn't like a
1: RuneScape or a Club Penguin video or something where it's just the full screen of the game and they run around and place the text of the song. This is like a full machinima edited thing with like camera yeah. zoom ins and text across the screen. Yeah, like, fully edited. This is like Red versus Blue. That that Halo TV no, show. No, this was
0: like a really popular thing for people to oh, do. Okay. Like for well, a this couple is only from there. five years ago. Yeah. So
1: here you go. There's just a sim. Oh wait. Okay, hold on. It just showed a sim like an agonizing emotional pain, <laughs> but it was kind of coming across that maybe they were dying. <laughs> like, that's what it looked like to they me. They could have been.
0: That could have been what they and then uh, it, yeah. what they just filmed. And
1: then it cut to, like, Rivers Cuomo, the Sim, <laughs> like, singing um, in a, to a <laughs> microphone. And there's, like, a camera... They added, like, a film camera stutter. There's these weird, stiff <laughs> movements, like, there's... Mm-hmm. The Uncanny Valley is so, so deep in this video because the way they're moving around, it's nightmarish. It is really nightmarish. Like, if this was shot with live-action people, it would make sense. But it's like, wow. And now they're kissing and... Hugging, but now they're sh- crossing their hands again. So it's just two Sims loving each other, then hating each other, then loving each other.
0: I've never actually watched any of these, but I like, I guess they must just record their screen or record whatever video they're doing because there's. A video like record function in right. the game so i wonder if they just captured their footage of them it must be they yeah. i mean i don't know or did they use mods you know like how do people do this do they I'm sure just they like do both. they just like, sure are, people like do yeah both. they hit to kiss people use mods kiss, and, and people and, yeah. also
1: probably just capture the footage in game because that's what i was saying like runescape music videos which i have two of them for this song you literally just play the game and you run around the game and you type in And then a voice bubble appears above you with the lyrics. The the same way you type into someone on Animal Crossing. Like, I guess you could do an Animal Crossing music video by, like, typing the lyrics of the song in while you stand around. Um, There's someone with RC car footage. There's someone who made an FMV of their house cat running around to the song. Nice. Um, And there's a really, like, obnoxious one where these two sort of insane girls on their webcam are just, like punching each other, like not actually punching each other, but just like hitting and pushing each other and laughing the whole time. And they grab their boobs and stuff. Oh, wow. They look like late teenagers. Like they're probably 17, 18. It was, it got uncomfortable, but they're not like little kids. Yikes. Um, Still illegal. (laughs) I guess so. And, but then I want to play, this is, oh, and there's two ALS videos. There's a ton of people love this video, this song. They've made a lot of derivative videos about it. But I am going to before we get to our guest. I'm going to end it with this one. It's, what the
0: fuck am I looking at? It's two
1: flash animated. It's not. It's like a furry thing. Like they're they're not anthropomorphic. Oh, is
0: that one? But is?
1: they're cats. They're flash animated cats. Who they are didn't like, have
0: abs though, so I couldn't no, tell. No, <laughs>
1: but they're not. Anthrop- they're not anthropomorphized. They're not humanized. But they have like a human emotion in their faces. As they walk around this flash animated jungle being mad at each other and we're not quite there yet but i guess these are two like this i don't know if this is part of an actual fandom or if this is someone's original story that they're animating i mean it's still got a very like anime thing and now one of the hawk cats has Frost like
0: and bramble cove something
1: hawk Frost and bramble claw AMV, just a mini AMV for Bramble and Hawk. Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) And now the cat is the animated cat is lip syncing the song
0: (laughs) with a (laughs) steak coming out of his bloody chest. (laughs) Oh no, the other one's mouthing the words too. It's why.
1: The yeah. choice! So I guess this is about, like, some sort of cats that live in the jungle. Oh, spoiler alert for those that haven't read Sunset, if you care, I guess I really don't know if this is, like, a known, if this is, like, a webcomic or something, or, like, this person's original story, or some story, I have no idea. There you go. Wow. Brambleclaw and Hawkeye, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so this week, we have a guest, we have...
0: Yeah, I'm really bummed out that I missed this guest.
1: Yes, I'm so sorry, Jessica was away at the time, but we have Grace Baldridge, and she's a Los Angeles musician who on uh, Twitter has gotten notoriety because she created this queer cover band of Christian music called Reliant Gay
0: amazing yeah
1: and it got a lot of popularity i uh, will talk about it how i learned about it from the reliant discord uh schneck donated like a, a guitar lick to add to one of their songs and That's stuff awesome. um but she had picked this song this week and then we forgot to talk about the song so i sent her a email and was like hey do you have any notes on the song so this is what she specifically would have said about which to bury us or the hatchet if we had gotten around to it she said this song taps into that universal feeling of loving someone and also feeling deeply hurt by them. The hurt doesn't change and the love doesn't change. It's impossible to. It's, it's an impossible rock and a hard place type situation that, even if resolved, will leave a lasting mark on the relationship. I used to think about difficult friendships when I would listen to this song, romantic relationships too. The slight screaming during the chorus is a cathartic release for anyone who has ever been at their wits end with a loved one. It's an ode to stubbornness and power held in a grudge. My favorite line, incidentally, is, I tried to hold your hand, but you'd rather hold your grudge. Ouch. So good. So that's what she had to say. And I forgot to say, I always, whenever we listen to this song together, I sometimes turn to Jessica and I'm like, I wanted to hold your hand, but you'd rather eat some fudge. He does. Because I'm a dork.
2: I tried to move you. You just wouldn't. But I tried to hold your hand. You'd rather hold your grudge. I think you know what I'm getting at. You say goodbye and I just don't want you
1: regretting that. So I didn't realize that you live right here in Los Angeles. Oh, do you live in LA also? Yeah, we do too. Yeah. Oh. I didn't like i I just realized, like oh crap, I should have looked at your biography. <laughs> like, it's the. Like, I was preparing for today, I was checking out the Reliant Gay videos, and I was listening to your own music, and it was, like, the last thing I thought, like, oh, I could just read your website, like, your bio or whatever, and I'm like, oh, you live in Los Angeles, so when I asked you what time zone you were in, that's why I wasn't even entirely sure where you were,
2: but yeah. No, I I really appreciate that, though, because I feel like since we're all, like, on Zoom and everything these days, I've fully like been late to meetings where we haven't clarified the time zone. Right. And mortifying, where someone's like, oh, like four PM. And I'll be like, sure. And I'm planning my whole day around like four PM. And then 1 PM I get a where are you text or email <laughs> right. and which which is just bone chilling to receive. Like, yeah. Yeah. what do you mean, where am I?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like a yeah, it's a slightly more like you know when you see an ad for a festival Or, like, a convention or something, and they don't specify where it is. And you're like, oh, this sounds really cool. But then you have to dig to even figure out what city it's in. Yeah. It's like that problem, but times a million because it's actually directly affecting (laughs) relationships. Like, people aren't thinking, mention the time zone.
2: My new philosophy is I just restate things to probably an annoying degree okay. where I'll be like, yes, I will speak to you then on this day, parentheses <laughs> with the numbers, like at this time, PST, like just to be like really clear.
1: Right. Um, so, oh, so, you know as far as like the, the outline of this, I was thinking was, um, actually first I should ask you, what should I call What, what do you like to, to be called as far as like on the podcast or what I should do? Yeah. Is it Grace? Um, is it? Yeah, you can
2: call me Grace. Yeah. But you can just call me Grace. I'm a musician and I also, uh, produce and host like documentaries and unscripted content. Is like okay. I... Uh,
1: so now we're joined by, uh, Grace, and i just asked you what to call it, what i how i should what name i should use cuz you have a bunch of different names and projects and stuff
2: it's but, so confusing i'm sorry uh, it's so <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i've recently talked to a bunch of our listeners on zoom calls cuz we're doing this like big call in deathbed episode cuz it's such a huge song to talk about so like that's been a barrier of like what do i call you by your real name or your twitter name that i usually <laughs> talk to like yeah <laughs> so many extra names and then god forbid somebody changes their screen name or their avatar and i'm basically like lost
2: track of them
1: even yeah. though they're right there, I've
2: lost track of them for a while. So <laughs> It's true, especially with avatars because vi- I'm a visual learner. So I sort right. of like keep track of like my friends. I'm like, oh, this person has this bluish icon or something like that. I can recognize it when it pops up. So when it's changed, I'm like, who are you?
1: How right. could- <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think so Every so people may know you, our listeners may be aware of you from the Reliant Gay Project. And uh, your music is Semler. It's just called Semler,
2: right? Yeah, so my full name is Grace Semler Baldridge. And as Grace Baldridge, I produce and host documentary series um, like State of Grace, which was for Refinery29 about the intersection of religion and different social issues. And under my middle name, Semler, I make um, really sad and creepy folk music. And currently... (laughs)
1: April! (laughs) That's our dog. Come here. I should have warned you, this was a guarantee that she no, would want to get on the podcast.
2: <laughs> no, I. that's amazing that that's true, because my one of my dogs may do the exact same thing shortly.
1: April, come here. Come here. Unfortunately, my co-host, my wife, is not here today to like soothe the dog when this kind of stuff happens, so she's just across the room and will not stop. April, she's we, we refer to her as our audio engineer for the podcast. I-
2: that's so, you know, we have, we have two dogs. My wife and I have two dogs. We have a, an older, very sweet pit bull who's wonderful and quiet. And then we have a, a rambunctious chihuahua and I refer to him as my producer. Because like oh, okay. usually when I'm like in this, this is my office. Like when I'm in my office, like doing anything, he'll like, he's like, I need to be in here. Like I'm producing this record or like, how dare you mix this song without me. Right.
1: <laughs> I deeply relate. Well, ours is half Chihuahua, half Dachshund, so it must be something in that breed that... <laughs> you need to show me April. I okay. Think I have the same dog. Okay, hold on one second. Let me grab her. Here she
2: comes. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's so cute. Wait, I'm going to show you our dog. It's We have the same type of animal. Okay. I feel like I understand you on a very deep level now. <laughs> we haven't even gotten into like Right. I like I totally get you. Um, why can I not find a photo? Usually my phone is only photos of my dogs. I don't know why I cannot find where is Bean. Oh yeah. Okay, this is this is my dog, Bean. He'll probably come in oh, here. Oh to- nice. Yeah. <laughs> the same the same deal.
1: Okay, you're gonna you gonna be professional April? There you go. Okay. <laughs> I just put it down. I just put it down back on the ground. Um yeah, so she's part of our. We she's part of our like promotions for the podcast as well. We put pictures of her in there and stuff, and she's on our uh, our Twitter. What do you call it? Banner and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So she's she's an integral part of our projects as well. <laughs> um, so so yeah. So uh, you you first came across our radar because I joined the Reliant K Discord, mm-hmm. and they were talking about Reliant K on there and it hit at like the perfect time because we've been doing this podcast for a little over a year, about a year and four months. And from like early on when we started, because we're both were raised Christian, my wife and I, we were not part of like looking back now, we were not part of any kind of evangelical churches. Like I had more, um, I kind of fell in with some evangelical type churches, like in my high school years, but it was really like in the last, you know, with the, with social media and everything and connecting with people in the last, like say five or six years, that was like, oh, that's what evangelical culture is like, or even like just the zeitgeist right now, politically, like actually understanding what kind of churches other people dealt with. Like my wife and I had very much more like um, laid back churches and, and their viewpoints on like homosexuality or you know, persecuting people of a certain, you know, like not believing in human rights and that kind of stuff. Like yeah. our churches growing up didn't just didn't touch on that subject. I mean, you can assume what they thought back then, but they just didn't touch on it. Just at least not with us kids. So when we started this, and that's where we came from going into this project of talking about every Reliant K song. And when we started, we had no idea what kind of audience we would be getting, right? So we were like, well, we're not going to hide our political views. We're not going to try to cater to anyone. And I have seen like things where people pop up and they're like, I discovered a Reliant K podcast, cool. And then they seem to like disappear immediately. <laughs> but it is, so um we had been for the last year, like having no idea what a Reliant K social media audience is like in 2019, 2020, uh, we started to see like, the LBGT uh, audience, we started to find that stuff, particularly like the last half of every podcast we do is looking on YouTube for like fan works, like music videos and covers and stuff. And so we would find a bunch of like, uh, you know, like shipping videos for, you know, gay ships for shows and stuff. And we're like, okay, that's amazing. Videos. Yeah. And then, then I finally started cracking, just finding some people on Twitter who are specifically like gay Christians or stuff like that, and would have that in their bio. And we're like, we're relying There's also this like very small meme called the Twelve Days of Christmas we discovered, which is that apparently the Relying K's Twelve Days of Christmas is a big like male stripper song. Like I don't know if stripper might not be the right word, but a big like male burlesque kind of thing. like a big sh- like a big sh- song to play. At like male strip clubs, apparently, it's because there's multiple videos on YouTube of that song being used around Christmas time. So it's like this whole meme of like people doing different kinds of dances to that song, usually like suggestive and stuff like that. So we're like, okay, there's definitely something here. There's an audience here as far as like that, but we just we're, we're trying to figure it out. Like, who are the people who are, you know, part of the LBGT community and like Relying K? And we had no context for that because um, I'm talking too much about myself. I won't ask you stuff. <laughs> I'm no, just giving you no, the background on our show.
2: It's so fascinating to, like, yes. hear about all the research that you've done and the different sort of um, communities and sub-communities of Reliant K fans that you've stumbled upon. Yeah. I had no idea that Reliant Gay was mentioned on the Reliant K Discord, and I okay. was just like, oh, I'm so honored. Okay. <laughs> like, I've been trying to get into Discord um, since quarantine. It seems like a cool way to connect with people, but it also feels, like, a bit intimidating. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I like, agree very, like, that's super cool that um, people on platforms that I'm not even participating in have, like, like carried this over and wanna um, talk about what we're doing. Because we are kind of making it up as we go, but there mm. absolutely is an affinity within the queer community to Reliant Gay. Sorry, Reliant K. Um, <laughs> both, I hope. Um, yeah. I think that that's been, like, really exciting because it kind of feels like this this moment At least right now through TikTok, there's a bunch of us going like, wait, you too? You too? Like, I thought this was just like a thing. I didn't know there were like other people that went through the same formative years. But alas, of course we must have because Reliant K was a huge band, even outside of Christian circles. Like they were, they were major. And so it's been really affirming to find other people that have this very niche, but shared experience.
1: Right. So I guess we didn't say for anyone listening who doesn't know, but um, can you explain? It's it's basically a cover band that yeah. you, I just realized we didn't actually set up. Yeah, the, that would be very Reliant Con- K project Con- is, yeah.
2: Sure, so um, I tweeted out, um, like as a joke, some like three or four weeks ago, that we should put an all queer Reliant K slash Switchfoot Cover band together to tour the country and um, do right by kids that were done wrong by their youth group or their church camp. And a bunch of people like retweeted it and liked it. And I do not do well on Twitter. So I noticed that. I was like, oh, this seems to be hitting. None of my other takes are working, but sure, (laughs) let's explore this. Mm -hmm. And so then I put out a cover of Be My Escape that I just like recorded on my USB mic at home um and i put it out with like blank space built in there so that people could do it on tiktok and when you do it on tiktok it's basically like you are singing along with the person um that's made the original video you get to kind of do like side by side videos and i left a blank space so i'm like you sing this part and we did that and it was super fun and i started just saying that we're going to really do this cover band and it's going to be called Reliant Gay and we're really going to do it, even though it's a pandemic and live music is the Mm -hmm. last thing that's going to come back. Um, But since then uh, it's really picked up in a way that I think has been incredibly inspiring of just other people with this very similar experience and foundation in contemporary Christian music from the early aughts. And we're all finding each other. And right now I'm kind of, Doing this Queer Christian cover band project where I put out a new cover for the purposes of TikTok duets every week until I have to stop because I need to work on my own music too. But okay. for right now I'm gonna do it every week.
1: That's great. That's cool. So I, I watched some of the some of the videos you post on TikTok talking about basically some of the same stuff you said. And um I guess you, and you do documentaries, right? You do unscripted documentaries and you had done one, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe you were on this subject of like people who were maybe harmed by their churches because of their identities, maybe, and then you went to interview a Christian label and had a little trouble there.
2: Yeah, so prior to uh, COVID, I hosted a documentary series called State of Grace, which was all about the intersection of faith and different social issues in American life. And um, our last episode before quarantine was about the Christian music industry. And I was just curious about, like, who are the gatekeepers to this industry? We know that whenever there's an exchange of money that compromises are going to be made. So in an industry where the foundation is faith, what do those compromises look like? Um, I think that the Christian music industry for a long time has sort of positioned themselves as beyond any sort of reproach or criticism because they're like, no, 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 we're, we're Jesus people. We're the good guys. Mm-hmm. And that veneer has never um, been authentic to me because I know from my own personal experience and also from the many people that we interviewed and all the research that we did in leading up to that episode, that indeed there is a a great deal of gatekeeping and there's certain theology within the Christian music industry that works and there's certain theologies that do not. Mm -hmm. And there's certain perspectives that they want to platform and there are others that they just want to absolutely, um, I guess, ignore, to put it lightly, or oppress to be more harsh. Right. So that was our final episode. So I guess that christian music and all this music that sort of raised me as a kid was front of mind when we started going into quarantine and i don't know about you but when quarantine hit i started like reverting back into like the comfort of nostalgia Uh i was kind of thinking about all these old all these old bands old tv shows anything i found comforting in a confusing time Mm -hmm. and i think that that's why a lot of people have been doing this as well and like oh my gosh reliant k like I haven't thought about them in so long because I kind of thought that they hated me because they're associated with, um, a lot of harmful teachings of, I would say, mainstream Christianity or at least like Christianity that like buys the most airtime, let's say.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, from doing this podcast, we've kind of connected with a lot of other podcasts that, or I've listened, whether we've become friends with them or I've just listened to other podcasts that are on a similar subject of, you know, Christian, Rock and um, what I basically have found is that the like this this piety of that the labels present that you were kind of talking about for the most part doesn't exist with for most of the artists like most of the artists were like hin- felt hindered by what what was put upon them right like I do a lot of uh, I mean it's a pretty obvious one that I think a lot of people can understand but I do a lot of MXPX like social media stuff in my spare time. <laughs> cool and um
2: april april loves mxpx i know Lone <laughs> mxpx fan april yeah
1: so i mean everyone can kind of like know that like they mxpx was kind of one of the first big bands to be like we're not a christian band or or like just kind of like gently skirt that and not really want to talk about it and stuff like that but then as you listen to more interviews, if you hear more interviews with which as i've heard more interviews with um other Christian punk artists and stuff they're like yeah we just wanted to you know they just were encumbered by like this lifestyle that they kind of had to pretend like just they couldn't drink a beer after a show even if they were in their 30s they had to present it as if they're like you know yeah and, and like and like kid people who were basically kids like teenagers and early 20s in punk bands who suddenly have to pretend that they're ministers even though they really are just there to play their music you know
2: yeah.
1: so i think that like i think april there's also construction going on upstairs so that doesn't help <laughs> come here hey come here come here no she's like no i don't want to um so uh, so yeah like that and, and another thing i learned recently from like there's an official tooth and nail podcast a <laughs> oh, one second there is i need to listen oh yeah one second come here even though you smell
2: Hi, April.
1: <laughs> She's, she smells like summer sweat, so I don't really want to be holding her right here. She needs a bath. <laughs> uh, there's an official tooth and nail podcast, and it's called Labeled, and I recently learned from that that, like, especially at the height of their reliance on Christian bookstores, like, they basically, they're rule book was like the Southern Baptists something like the most they would start at the most conservative level as far as or the Christian bookstores were held to that April (laughs) so like that was that was the rule set that they had to work from whereas any other especially as you learned about the history of Christian punk like it starts in California people who were much more liberal-minded people who weren't judgmental and you know but then slow as like Christianity is taken over by sort of, you know, mainline Christianity becomes more and more openly conservative. Then like that stuff gets pushed aside, even though the artists are coming from a place of love and acceptance and, and inclusion, like, you know, the, the, it seems like it's the labels really that kind of push that agenda that kind of exclude people.
2: Well, because Lifeway bookstores, those like Christian bookstores, that is their lifeline because I mean, I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot, Danny, about like, how did we get here? How did Christian music, honestly, I think, regress to what it is now? Because we remember this era of like Reliant K, MXPX, Tooth and Nail Records, like everything that you're mentioning right now is bringing back such very like vivid and colorful memories of music that I was allowed to listen to because it was christian music but it was still so creative and it felt like it was still like challenging me and and talking about things that were real and there was there was an authenticity to it and now when you listen to christian music it feels like just such a farce like mm. i don't know if you watch the full episode of the state of grace episode where we went to do christian music and look into that but we set ourselves a challenge myself with another uh, former Christian artist of writing a worship song in 10 minutes. I'm not saying it was an amazing song, but we did it in nine minutes. Like you can water metaphors, you can write this repetitive music that's really not saying anything that is not inspiring anything. And it's because I think that as Christian music became more openly conservative, it started sort of uh, shutting out their audience of people who were like thrashy, gnarly creatives who were identifying with this more expressive genre they were like no no we don't we don't want you guys anymore it's for branding wise we're going to do the soccer moms in the van and i know like that is a verbatim thing that was said to me when i was in nashville it's the moms Mm -hmm. driving the car they have a whole family structure that within christian music they're like this is who we market to and they market to the mom driving the kids to and from the car and this is the type of music that she listens to and that's why it's no accident that around like the 2010s, I would say, you Mm -hmm. started, every single band, even the ones that were like really like throwing down and like raging, started putting out worship records because that was the mandate from the labels because that's what the mom driving the car was listening to because they basically just kind of gave up on the kids because we were saying, you know what, we want to be more progressive. We want to be more inclusive. These rules don't make sense. The word homosexual didn't even appear in the Bible until 1946. We're having some questions here and they're like, you can just shut up. Right. (laughs) No, you don't exist anymore. Never mind. Forget you. Right. <laughs> now we're just sort of here in limbo. Like, wait, wait, wait. What happened? We still have these questions. And they're just hoping that if, we, if they ignore us for long enough, that we'll just go away and forget about all this music and these experiences that raised us in these conferences that we went to. Like, if we just ignore your questions. But the exciting thing about social media is that actually we're all finding each other. And we're more powerful than ever. Like, Toby Mac is ignoring the hell out of this cover, but I know that it's the first thing that comes up when you type his name in Twitter right now. So you can ignore us all you want, but you should be able to say gay rights and not be worried about like losing your sponsorship. It's just human rights. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. That's like I said, like when we started doing this project, I was like, who's our particular audience? And we might, Get a listener right away and then lose them right away. But, you know, I don't want to, I would never want to sell short of the things that I actually believe and think. And maybe it was, was it, I wonder if it was easier in the 90s for these, because I don't know, I I actually lost that train of thought. (laughs) But basically, I was thinking like, there's this Christian punk that, like, say, say, like Five Iron Frenzy, who kind of would brush on the idea of homophobia. And unfortunately, when you go back and look at those songs, it's it's still baked in the idea of homosexuality is sin but we shouldn't judge people for sin but it's even though that's wrong by you know under it was wrong then and it's wrong it's wrong now but it to even think that there's a song that even says that in a christian bookstore yeah you know what i mean like it, it and basically was it like you know i mean i know because i had a high school teacher who was A Christian who was like a Christian heavy metal guy when he was in the '70s and '80s, and he was used to the idea that like mainline Christianity of the '70s and '80s hated the fact that they were doing heavy metal because they thought like the the music itself was inherently evil, you know, as -hmm. opposed to the message. Like the messages couldn't have possibly been more Christian. So then slowly, like Christian metalcore and punk and all this stuff gets kind of accepted in this corner of mainline Christian Christian music industry and stuff but then maybe the ideas start to get too radical and they start to push it back out and they're like, no, we're done with this. And those bands kind of go off and either they want to stay in the mainstream Christian thing, so they basically match that, or they just, they leave, like they're slowly just like not signed by those labels anymore. And then those bands either have records that like fully denounce things like actively, like whether the members become, atheist or something or they're still christian and they have more liberal ideas they have songs that attack that or like a band like mxpx who like if you dig in deep enough like you can figure out what they believe but they don't advertise what they do or don't believe anymore but they clearly like they just they just like what we believe isn't really your business so we just go forward playing our own music and making our own money and finding our own audience who like understands us and we don't need like the Christian industry for that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's it's interesting how it's all gotten to this point of where I'm sure a lot of people when they think nostalgically like you did at the beginning of quarantine of thinking like getting nostalgic for like, you know, Cornerstone and those festivals and those Oh my gosh, yeah, cornerstone <laughs> thinking about all that stuff. And it's like, where is that now? And then you look into it and you're like, oh there's no Christian punk scene anymore. Oh, it's all gone. But it's there. It's just like been they've been scattered to the wind and now they're like we're all kind of slowly finding each other again.
2: Yeah, well, I think it's because major Christian labels and support and sponsors have just decided to not support them. I mean, I think that's really what it is, is like they sort of made their bed with like, their their base of, um, I would say, within the demographics that we're speaking about, it's mostly like women above the, white women above the age of like 35 to 40, um, and that's who they're like focusing on and targeting with their music, and there's entire demographics that are just going entirely ignored. Um, and I think they just need to, as an industry, the Christian music industry should just be honest that they're like, we are this is ideologically where we are and we are a monolith and you toe the line or you don't participate because I think what's like confusing. And I remember sitting down with, uh, sitting down with an executive at a major Christian label and introducing myself as I am still a Christian. I am still a person of faith. I'm a member of my church's vestry. I'm really bad. I haven't been to a meeting since, like not even a zoom meeting in a while, but that's not the point. The point is, is that like, I am an active person of faith and I'm also gay and I'm also married and there are many other facets to my personality. And you could see the wheels in this guy's head were like, we're like, what? No, absolutely not. And I think that they've just sort of decided to not acknowledge and put on horse blinders to, to people that are, that are interested or that were interested or that went through this music. And I think it's absolutely their loss. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited that we are kind of picking up the slack because if they're going to dishonor our own humanity by, by just cutting us off and shutting us out, then like, cool, we, maybe we don't even need you. It would be nice to be included. Mm -hmm. I would like that. You know, I'd like to be in this together. I'd like to recognize that people within the same faith umbrella can hold very different views and we should all find common ground. But if you're not interested in that, then just be honest. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like what's frustrating. And yeah, it's like, I don't know. I I wonder how this all (laughs) like shakes out, but I, I really feel as though what I'm hopeful for, and I think part of creating Queer Christian Cover Band and Reliant Gay is to put pressure on the artists who, many of whom I believe, line up with where so many of us are coming from, and mm-hmm. are like, no, we, we wanna put on shows where everyone feels included, and we wanna put on shows and be honest with like, we support and affirm who you are, and we're not anti-gay, and if you think that, then like, oh my gosh, let me set the record straight, and kind of what I'm trying to do with this project is like give that opportunity to artists, which many of whom have jumped on, like the few members of Reliant K, who reached out about the cover and were like, hey, I just want you to know, like, I love this project and I support you. And that is huge for kids like me to hear. Mm -hmm. It's it's like life changing because you grow up to this music and then you stop listening to it because you assume that the members in the band like wouldn't like to be around you, which is like kind of a weird thing to feel. (laughs) Like I never think about that with secular artists. I never think about like I wonder if Halsey would be my friend. Like I don't, <laughs> right. I don't think about it. But I do with Christian artists because it's like I I hear you know DC Talk is the most recent example because that was the, my most recent cover. It's like I just like I just feel like Kevin Max would be sick. He seems like a really awesome guy. He's mm. interacted. He's been like we love this project. And then I I like wonder. I'm like Toby, my friend. Like. You were so cool growing up. And now I'm just like, I kind of just wonder, do you why are you so afraid of standing up for queer people?
1: Right.
2: Is it money? It's gotta be. And I, I understand that everyone has like mouths to feed and families to support, but it's definitely um it's just like a weird sort of reflection. Like when I met the lead singer of Jars of Clay for the documentary project he was our final interview, I started crying because I was so, he's very affirming and loving and just like such a cool guy. And it like, I didn't realize how much that would mean to me to just hear that like, no, I I support you. I don't want you to feel conflicted when you listen to my music. And I'm hopeful that we can get more moments like that and that that could inspire some pressure for the Christian music industry to just expand and grow their table.
1: That's great, yeah, I mean, That's. I wish I had more insight into this, and it's so great to hear this all being said because it doesn't feel like there's a like a channel, like a way to know about this point of view. Because most of most of my wife and I's friends are gay, like that's the majority of our friends, but none of them come from like that kind of Christian background. And then everyone I knew growing up in my Christian school and my and my churches and stuff, I didn't stay connected to them. So if any of them came out and had any kind of struggle like unfortunately I've lost a connection with any of them um but like we've always because like the people most of the people in our life we love them we want them to have everything that they deserve in life we have felt we've had a lot of trouble over the last couple years like finding a church and actually you live in Los Angeles so (laughs) you can help us with this I just realized like we've been to a couple churches where like this church is nice, but where they stand on like gay rights and human rights and like everything like that. And then sometimes it feels like awkward to ask because it's just like, even though I never, like, there's definitely times in my life where I was more homophobic than I'd ever want to admit just because I was like in that atmosphere. But like, I, I'm also kind of fortunate to have had that early church experience where it wasn't pushed on me and you know, then I had went to public school and I just television like taught me to to love everybody more than some of the churches from my high school years, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, and then so unfortunately, like I just got disconnected in these last couple years of finding like a, a church that actually fully loves everyone that doesn't just say, oh, especially like the worst one is, well, is it? I don't know. I guess it's worse. But to be like, oh, you're welcome here. You know, just don't talk about it or you're welcome here. Oh, yeah, but, that's
2: the worst. I, ra- I have relationships, friendships with people who I know are not affirming. Not my right. best friends, but like I know people who don't view my marriage to my wife as like, okay, they think, I don't know, I really don't, we don't go into details about it. Because right. We want to remain on kind of good terms. Yeah. Um, and I would rather know where you stand and then we can sort of navigate that boundary and our relationship together Mm -hmm. and what so many churches do especially the quote-unquote trendy ones here in LA where they don't they just say like everyone's welcome like all are welcome and then in the fine print I wouldn't be able to hold a leadership position I would not be able to be married or baptized in that church community Mm -hmm. um and the list goes on of the second tier of belonging that i would be that i would be ascribed because of who i am mm-hmm. they don't advertise that and i think that is more insidious i just want like i just want people to be clear on where they stand and i think that this we're, we're just meeting this pressure point now within christian music where it's like i i'm so sick of the answer like i love everybody i'm like well that wasn't the question though like, mm-hmm. no one asked you if you love everybody. It's such a meme at this point. It's like, just, can you say, just say gay rights and just see what happens. Right. And, you, and they'll be like, and they're like, <laughs> and they're like, they're like, they're all flustered. I'm like, just what happens if you say that? That's right. why like I, I was just about to tweet before we got, before we hopped on. And I was like, I always like, you know, I should definitely not tweet when I'm just uh, board that's never <laughs> I, I wanted to be like the at toby max say gay rights challenge <laughs> just because I was thinking about this but I'm like no leave leave the man alone he seems very kind I just wish that he would clarify some of his positions and then we can move on
1: right yeah well um I feel this is great I mean this is great just to hear everything that you're working on and stuff is there anything else like um as far as reliant gay goes and like your your media plans for it or how people can get involved. Yeah. Uh,
2: Yeah. So definitely follow along. Um, I'm at Grace Baldridge on all social media and I'll be posting about um, the music and the covers as they come out. And then also um, please follow along because we have all intentions of going on a live, like four to five city tour. Um, Hopefully, I mean, maybe next summer, who knows where we'll be then. Um, and obviously it would only be something that we would embark on safely, but we really do want to reclaim these songs. Reliant K is such a fun band. I mean, their music is just, its it I've been listening to it more than ever now, and it just doesn't really get old, it's super fun and energetic and we wanna bring that to a space that is radically inclusive and um, I'm hopeful that if anyone is interested in this project, they just follow on social media and it's kinda of all I talk about these days, so you won't right. be able to.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, and I, I guess my last question, just to, double, just to figure this out, is um, I had, so in order to watch all of your videos, cause I saw the ones on Twitter, I'm pretty much just Twitter and Instagram, right? And then I discovered from the Discord about your project, you were tweeting about it, and I'm like, oh, it's a TikTok thing. And my my relationship to TikTok is just like if something's really funny or really interesting, it'll make its way to Twitter. Yeah. Now, or it'll make its way to Instagram. But I'm like, now I gotta get a TikTok because I want to watch like as many videos as yours as I could. So now I'm on TikTok. Um, like I actually downloaded it when the first like Time, the president was like well, we're gonna ban it i like <laughs> oh, i yeah. immediately downloaded it just to like show some support but i'm like as far as creating a login like maybe later but finally create a login watch yourself so uh, so is tiktok at the the media the the place for this just because it has that interactive thing or yeah
2: yeah yeah it's just the for me it's just the best format to engage with people. It's my favorite feature I think on any social media ever of just being able to see people respond and participate in what I create. So we've had people like join in with a kazoo. We've had people join in on the drums, on a variety of different instruments, adding in harmonies. And I think that's why this kind of is a, is a project very unique to TikTok that I don't think I would have thought of um, if I hadn't downloaded the app and wasted so much time. <laughs> So much time, Danny. Yeah. Really.
1: (laughs) I only, I I managed to only watch like three or four things other than yours. I managed to like, I had a very busy day getting ready. Aside from the interview, I had a bunch of talking to you today. I had a bunch of regular work to do and all this thing, all these things. So I managed not to let it just time suck my life yet, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, Yeah. So uh, I think, I feel like, that's a good place. Uh, would you, if you want to repeat, what were your uh, plugs again? Let everyone know where else they could go for your other music. And
2: Yeah, you can give me a follow at Grace Baldridge on all social media. And if you are interested in listening to my very sad, creepy music, you can find it at Semler on any listening platform, Spotify, Apple Music. That's S-E-M-L-E-R. Great. I've been all this now. now been that house. You hold the key I've been dying to get out That might be the death of me And even though there's no way of knowing where to go I promise I'm going because I gotta get out of here I'm stuck inside this rut that I fell into by mistake I gotta get out of here And I'm begging you, I'm begging you I'm begging you to be my escape